Scripture reading Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 through 6 All together let's read 基督耶稣的仆人保罗和提摩太写信给凡住菲利比在基督耶稣里的圣徒诸位监督诸位执事愿恩惠平安从神我们的父并主耶稣基督归于你们我每逢想念你们就感谢我的神为你们众人祈求的时候比如说和我的两个孩子会彼此争吵。My until they are finished playing with it. Now, do my kids always listen to mom and dad? No. Uh, the scene in our living room often plays out like this. One will grab the other's toy. They will push and pull. They will rip the toys out of the other's hand. Usually results in a lot of screaming and crying. And no one has any fun. Especially mom and dad. But there are special moments. There are moments when the children play well together. This past week, uh, we had one of these special moments. Uh, the kids were doing laundry with mommy. And together they joyfully pushed the laundry basket. From the laundry room to the bedroom. It was beautiful cooperation. It's the kind of thing mom and dad wish we could see every day. Now the same thing could be said of us as a church. For any church. 
As believers in Christ, we wish that we could always work well together. As、uh, Pastor Wang preached last Sunday, we wish that we could all be fully committed to Christ and His church. We wish that we could always serve the Lord together with joy. The unfortunate reality is sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're like small kids fighting over toys, demanding our rights. Uh, demanding our preferences. Quarreling. Gossiping. Lying. And this all gets in the way of joyfully serving together. Sometimes it can be so discouraging to brothers and sisters. That they say, "Bye bye." I've had enough of this hypocrisy, and I'm not going to be a part of it. Now, while this is very sad when that happens, it's also unfortunate that this should come as a surprise to us. That we should be surprised by sin and brokenness, even in the church. Because we know from the gospel that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. But as a race, we have rebelled against God, our Maker. And with this fundamental relationship broken, it has thrown everything else out of order. How then can we ever hope to serve joyfully together? If we are broken, sinful people, well, God teaches us in the first two verses of our scripture reading this morning. And we're going to look mostly at just the first two verses. God teaches us that believers can joyfully serve the Lord together. When we realize we are His slaves and His saints. We can joyfully serve the Lord together when we realize we are God's slaves, Christ's slaves, and His saints. So first, we are Christ's slaves. Now look with me at the first half of verse one. So we look at the first half of verse one. 
And uh, with our privilege to have the Bible in our own language, I would encourage you to always bring your own copy of the Bible with you to church. So let's look in verse one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, if you knew nothing about Paul and Timothy before today, you at least now know that they are servants of Christ Jesus. And for us in here who are believers, of course, we all know Christ. We all know something about Jesus Christ. We all have some kind of relationship with him because we believe in him. But of course, even if you believe, you can always grow closer in your relationship with him. And sometimes we who have believed for many years, or when we have talked about the gospel a lot, we can reach a place where it even seems boring. I know that might sound hard to believe, but we become too familiar with it in a way. And there is a stage in our growing knowledge of the gospel. That we have to press through. Because if we're not careful, we can grow apathetic. And this is a way of draining our joy in serving the Lord together. So then, what can you do if you've fallen into such a condition? Well, remember that as believers, we all know Christ. Not just information about Him. But we know him personally, and realize who Christ is by drawing near. I remember a time when drawing near terrified me. Back away! Back away! I shouted. I actually shouted that at my dear wife. My family and I were visiting Niagara Falls in upstate New York. We just returned from a couple of weeks in Taiwan, and we were still on Taiwan time. But the falls were on our drive home from the airport. And since we had never visited, we took the opportunity to go see the falls. Now I had seen pictures of the falls before. And really, I thought, meh. I mean, it's just a photo. 
But we decided to pull over and take a closer look at the falls anyway. And if you ever go to visit, go to the Canadian side. Because the view is much better. You can get right up next to the top of the falls. And hear the rush, the roar of the mighty waters. And uh, feel the spray on your face from the falls. And right there, as you view the falls, all that comes between you and the river and the cliff. It's a short little wall. And a little sign that says, No climbing. <laughs> now, again, we had just gotten back from Taiwan. And I know it sounds like I'm excusing myself. Because I was exhausted and a bit. Jet lagged. And so, as my wife scooped up our toddler for a picture, right next to this wall, alarm bells went off. Back away! Don't drop our daughter over the wall. Don't lose her to certain death. Now, do you see what happened when I drew near to the falls? I went from being indifferent to terrified. Because I got close to the power. And as we draw near to Christ, and we realize who it is that we know, that changes our whole understanding of Him. Who is He after all? He is the Lord God Almighty, become man. He is our Lord and Savior who has walked the same earth as you and I. And so, if you know Christ through faith, you can no longer talk about God's existence as a philosophical concept to be debated. Because in Christ, God has shown up on our doorstep, as it were. He's not a theory or a philosophy. He is a real person. And you don't have to have a PhD in philosophy or theology to know him. You just have to spend time with him. Listen, listen to him. Talk to him. 
draw near to Christ. So what kind of relationship do believers have with Christ? The answer is we belong to him. We are his property. Now, of course, as the maker of the universe, uh, we are all his stuff. But there is a special sense in which only those who believe in Christ are his property, his slaves. And the reason why I'm using this term slaves is because of the fuller understanding we get of verse 1 from the original Greek. Paul is deliberately using a term that means slave. And this morning we don't have time to get into uh, a full study of slavery in the ancient world. Uh, for brevity, let's say that slaves were a very important part of the ancient economy. Uh, slavery was not good then, just as it's not good today. But it was a reality with which the Philippians would be familiar. Masters would buy and sell slaves. So why does Paul call himself and Timothy slaves of Christ Jesus? Because Christ has purchased you. Christ has bought you with his precious blood that he shed on the cross. And Paul says this explicitly twice in his letter to the Corinthians. That Jesus willingly laid down his life. And he bought you with his blood. What does that mean? Well, first it means that you are not your own master. How did the world go wrong? It was when we decided we were our own masters. That's how humanity rebelled against God in the first place and brought his curse on the world. But you and I in Christ, we're Christ's slaves. We don't have any rights. We only have the freedoms that he grants to us. Our duty is to obey his commands. Because he purchased us. We also depend on him. Uh, Psalm 123 verse 2 says, 
Uh, we look to the Lord as a slave looks to the hand of his master. This also means that we belong to one another. Because your brothers and sisters in Christ are also Christ's slaves. And while you can judge whether one another's behavior is in accordance with God's commandments, and in fact, Paul says the church must judge the behavior of one another. So that when we fall into sin and disobedience, we can help each other get back on the right path. But as slaves, we have no right to despise one another. We have no right to consider our fellow slaves unimportant. Or dispensable. Whether they come from a different background than you. Whether they have a different uh, uh, dialect that they speak at home. Whether they have different gifts and talents than God has given you. Whether they are more or less educated than you. Whether they make more or less money than you. Whether they are single or married. Whether they are young or old. They are as much Christ's slave as you are through faith. Who are you, Paul writes, to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. Alright then, so what are we to do as Christ's slaves? We serve the Lord together. Together we all serve Christ as his slaves. Both when we're gathered together as the church and when we are the church out in the world in the various places God sends us. This means that your boss at your workplace you might work for the CEO of your company. But he is not your highest boss. You serve a higher boss. Your master, the Lord Jesus Christ. In whatever you do. In your work. In school. In caring for your family. You serve Christ. Remembering that Christ has bought us all. And together Christ commands us to carry out the great commission. 
To work together with the gifts that He has given us. To make disciples. To baptize them. And to train them to obey all that Christ has commanded. But we do this together. If you've ever gone canoeing, what happens if everyone rows on the same side of the canoe? The canoe goes in circles. We must use our gifts as God has given us and row the canoe together. What happens if the person in front works hard but the person in back does not row? They grow tired and burn out. So as Christ's slaves we must work and serve Christ together. But what about joy? Because sometimes it can sound like we're all about keeping the rules. The Bible is our rule book. And it's our job to slavishly obey. And the time that remains, let's talk about being the saints in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in here we find the joy. First, as believers in Christ, we are set apart for Christ. We find Paul addressing all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, verse 1. And this term saints has uh, the meaning of holy ones, those who are holy. Holy ones? Haven't we just talked about how broken we all are? As uh, someone has said, the church is a hospital for sick people. <laughs> it's not for those who have already been made perfect. In what sense are we holy ones? Well, in short, Christians are holy ones because God has set us apart for Christ. Uh, God, we, we call God holy because He is unique. And uh, God has set apart believers for His special use. To worship and serve Christ. And he does this in the power of his Holy Spirit that he gives to us. And it's the Holy Spirit who enables you and me to trust Christ. Your decision to believe and to trust Christ. This follows Christ setting you apart from the world. 
But remember that at our core, you and I are opposed to God naturally. And so, without God's help, we would all reject Christ as Lord. In the end, we would still face the same fate as the rest of the world. But God has set us apart. That is verse two. Grace to you. Now we are saved by Christ. Having been set apart for Christ. Through faith, we are saved by Him. Here we come back to why Christ bought us with His blood. That is a somewhat strange currency, is it not? Why was the price the blood of Christ? Because in rebelling against God, you and I have all sold ourselves to another master. Our sin. We are slaves to our rebellion against God. We are slaves to asserting our independence from God. And the problem is we will never find what we look for from that master. Because without God, we are looking to have peace from another master. But look what we see in verse 2. Grace to you and peace. Christ saves us by bringing us back to our rightful master. By buying us back from our slave enslavement to sin. And our enslavement to searching for God's affirmation in anything but God. Looking for peace and wholeness in what can never give us peace and wholeness. Whether you work to look to your work or your spouse or your achievements. It is a slavery that is restless. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, 
，但是你现在已经从罪中被救赎出来，而你是属于呃，你是主耶稣基督的门徒了。The fruit you get. 那你的你得的果子是。What you produce by serving Christ. 你呃，你服侍上帝得到的果子。Or rather, what Christ produces in you as He enables you to serve Him. 是上呃，是主耶稣基督呃，在你的生命里头做成的，让给你能力能够做出事情来。Leads to sanctification and eternal life. 就是你在永生中得到得以成圣。Do you see what this means, brothers and sisters? It means that our serving will not be fruitless. That is not without purpose. Through it, you and I find sanctification. We find growth in our lives. We find growth into greater Christ-like character. 呃，得到成长，让我们能够的长成更像主耶稣基督的样式。The joy then comes from realizing what a privilege it is to serve Christ. 那我们感觉到，我们服侍上帝是何等的一个荣耀的事情，是何等喜乐的事情。Because serving Christ is not working towards some unattainable goal. 因为我们服侍上帝，并不是说是朝一个无法实现的目标来努力。It is not working to please the master so that he will save us. 也不是说我们想要来取悦我们的主人，以至于让他来救我们。Being made Christ's slave so that we can serve him comes before our serving. Being made into Christ's slave so that we can serve him.、Uh, 我们呃，成为基督的奴仆，这样我们才能够去服侍他。Is to be saved. 也也就是呃。Is what it means to be saved. 也就是我们得救的意义。Which leads to then our serving. 啊，然后呢，呃，以至于我们能够有力量来服侍他。Christ laid down His own life for you to buy you back from your slavery. 能够呃、And the point is that it is grace. It is undeserved. And being motivated by this grace is essential. When we talk about joyfully serving the Lord, it is in response to God's grace to us in Christ. Because none of us has arrived at perfection. We still make mistakes. We are still growing in Christ likeness. And so we struggle against the power of sin that remains in our lives. But God doesn't fry you when you make a mistake. He doesn't kick you out of his house or out of his family because you have fallen. For we we do not have time to get into this today. 
But as we see in verse 2, as believers, we are not only Christ's slaves, we are His children. Adopted by God the Father. And dearly loved. So then our motivation for serving is God's grace to us in Christ. And as we serve together, and we hit bumps on the road, our motivation is from grace. Grace that God gives us to extend to one another. So that you and I can forgive each other when we offend each other. So that you and I can show mercy to each other. Uh, when we struggle, when we confuse one another. Confuse one another. Because we can forgive. Because we have been forgiven. Finally, as saints, we are sealed in Christ. The other day, my wife was going through some books in our house. Uh, we're still unpacking from our recent move. Looking to find a home for everything in our house. And as my wife was going through some books, she realized that one particular book had belonged to her mother. Because as you open the cover, you see the seal. You see the stamp of my wife's mother's chop. Uh, much the way if you look at some of uh, uh, ancient artwork from China. Artwork that's found its way into the hands of the emperors. You can see a beautiful painting. Covered in red chops. <laughs> As if to say, I like this. <laughs> and that seal shows who owns that artwork. That seal shows who owns the book. And God's seal on you and me shows that we belong to Christ. In Christ we are marked as his property. So that whatever ups and downs we go through in life, uh, however we are jostled and torn at and, 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 and abused, when Christ returns and all the evil and wrong in the world is purged, 
We who've trusted in Christ will still bear his stamp. He seals you, Christian, with his Holy Spirit. That is what it means to be a saint, a holy one. It is in Christ Jesus that you are a holy one. Because, because we enter into union with Christ through faith. And that faith comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit, Christ's seal. Now, what difference does it make to our serving together? What difference does it make to our collective joy? Because we know that the end is secure. As we read in verse 6, that is, God has begun a good work in you. He will bring it to completion on the day Christ returns. That is what God's seal reminds us. That the work we do in progressing towards being like Christ. Is the work Christ is doing in us. And so we have joy. In having the greatest master there is. Who cares for you so much that he would lay down his life for you, his slave. And seal you as his forever. Summer is a time when many of us travel. And if you travel by air, you're not permitted near the aircraft without displaying proper identification. For international travel, you need your passport. Not to prove your identity to yourself. But to the computer that prints out your ticket. To the security agent. But if you forget your passport at home, you're not going anywhere. They won't let you through. They won't let you on the plane. So as believers in Christ, we must remember our identity. Our identity in Christ. We must remember that we are His blood-bought slaves. His slaves who belong to Him and who serve Him together. And it is not miserable slaving away. 
is the most joyful service there is. And we must also remember that we are Christ's saints. For Christ has set us apart for Himself. He has already saved us in Christ, and He has sealed us for the day of Christ when He returns. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, as His beloved slaves. And his undeserving saints. We're all on the path to perfection. To an eternity with Christ. Let us joyfully serve together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our master, and thank you for adopting us as your children, for sending Christ, for, for calling us to Him, to belong to Him and serve Him, and to serve one another on His behalf. Uh, grant us joy in serving together that we may bring you glory. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, let us stand and sing our response hymn together.